Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, while we do talk a lot about trading on our website, we haven't really gone into a lot of technical detail about the subject here on the podcast. Um, We've visited the topic of technical analysis previously, but um, we've sadly neglected the nuts and bolts of actual trading. So we're going to uh, rectify um, that issue today and we've got John Wolfitt who's the director of trading at Atlantic Capital Markets on the podcast this morning and we're going to have a chat to him about that so welcome welcome to the podcast John. Thanks for having me Stuart. Um, so really what we wanted to talk to you about today was just more about good practice than anything else and it's something that we saw a lot of where people just were making some basic errors that was that ended up costing them a lot of money and it wasn't to do necessarily with the market they were trading or their their strategy it was more down to just not really understanding some of the key concepts of trading um so i thought it'd be a good idea to get you um on the show today really as a as a first point could you give us a bit more background on on yourself and atlantic capital markets I've actually been in the market since 2004. I'm uh, a chartered member of uh, the CISI. Uh, And in fact, uh, here at Atlantic Capital Markets, the full team of advisors are all chartered uh, with the CISI. We're a multi-asset brokerage. We're uh, one of the very few privately owned multi-asset brokerages uh, in the UK, which enables us to offer a boutique service. Um, all clients are assigned their own personal advisor. The advisor is someone that they can really build a relationship with. And we've been acknowledged in the industry um, through several different awards, um, not only for the advice and the advisory service, but also uh, with, uh, with uh, the, uh, the trades that we recommend. And a lot of people may already be familiar with execution-only trading where, where you're left to it. Can you just give us a quick summary of what is involved with with advisory trading what is that what is that additional service all clients uh, have a personally assigned advisor this is someone who they can discuss their ideas with as well as our own i mean our service is very unique in the fact that uh, if we see an idea that we like we tend to send a text message to the client to give them the chance to take a look into it first if they like it they can call us to discuss if they don't they simply put the phone back in the pocket and get on with their day uh, but it's not just about what we see, it's as much if not more about what the client's looking at and their own ideas and their relationship with the advisor that they build, um, whether it's a buy or a sell, um, or sometimes it can simply come down to the third option when it is uh, best to really just not get involved. And it's about having that person to call. The markets can sometimes be a lonely place, and especially if things haven't quite gone to plan. So having somebody that you can call to discuss, to get a second opinion and a view, um, it's, it's a key, key tool uh, and something that everyone should have in their armory. Um, whether you decide um, that the opinion that you've been given is uh, something that you uh, agree with, then well, that's entirely up to you. But at least it's that person to call. And, and this sort of brings us on to our main topic, which is... is um good trading practice and um, I know you guys because you've got that additional hands-on service you can help uh, new traders avoid some of the the common mistakes but can you give us a quick sort of overview of what some of the common mistakes are that, that an early stage trader someone who's literally only been at it for a few weeks or maybe a few months is likely to make? 
Yeah, sure. So, you know, a lot of it, it sort of falls into discipline and, and quite frankly, it's not a case of not not doing the right thing. It's probably not knowing the right thing. So, you know, the, the main things that, that you can see are, is, you know, the appropriate position sizing, for instance, taking positions that are clearly oversized for your account. Um, this always, you know, is something that you can see when people are new to the market. Lack of risk management, for instance, not having a stop loss order to cap the risk. Sometimes this can come from overconfidence in, in a person's own trading ideas. Um, you know, a, a big factor at the moment is a lot of online hype around stocks without really doing the proper research. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of noise on this. And this presents a problem on two sides. Firstly, it's hype and goes deadly quiet. And the risk on that kind of trading is also huge in comparison. Um, I think also as well, you know, unreal expectations and profit targets. You know, it's always worth keeping everything in order and remembering that someone like Warren Buffett, who you know, we do all consider to be one of the greatest investors of all time. I mean, his average annual returns have been around 20% a year. Um, so, you know, it's understanding that if you're going to try and target more than that in a year, then the risk that you're taking, basically. Um, and also as well, just remembering that all good traders take losses. It is part and parcel of trading. And the key to this, again, is keeping your trades organized and disciplined, taking a small capped loss. And that's far better than uh, um, you know staring at big red blots of ink on screen. And uh, the you, meant, you just touched on that on that briefly, but um, keeping track of what you've already done um, and being able to analyze um, the trades you've made and how they 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 performed is on the topic of record keeping. Is that is that an important part of the the traders arsenal? Absolutely. You know, whatever you do in life, um, people tend to keep a record or score, whether it be anything sporting, anything you know personal, whether that's a weekly, a monthly or yearly. And this should certainly happen when you're trading as well. Um, and also as well to, to keep those records and to keep everything in check. Really, uh, you know, you've got to be looking um, at keeping your losses capped and uh, really trying to be in a situation where it's never bigger than, than your biggest gains. I mean, this does then fundamentally undermine you if you don't trade with the risk management in place. So at the end of any period, whether it be day, month, week, then you can have a real sense of your win-loss ratio, the, uh, the, the, the average trade size, and your average gain and loss. I mean, like I said, you don't really play any other sport and wonder what your score was at the end of the game. It's tracked throughout and kept as a record to be analysed afterwards. And this has got to be the same with trading. Um, you know, and again, it's it's also down to also just keeping an eye on the news flows surrounding your trades as well, because this can have an impact on the outcome. And then you know, this this will also be crucial to your success. It's also, I guess if things are going wrong i mean i've i've spoken to really experienced traders in the past and they can get into a rut where suddenly they feel like they're consistently losing and they can't work out what it is and then they when they go and talk to you know external advisors like trading coaches and people like that one of the first things they're going to ask for is let's have a look at your trading record let's look at you know when you put the trades on when you took them off how they did i guess that's really an important insight to your 
psychology as a trader. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's looking at what we've done is really how you can assess if a certain strategy isn't working. You know, if, if, if it's not working, then ask yourself why. Look at what you're doing. Are you in a certain sector that's just simply too aggressive? Um, are you trading in a trade size that's not appropriate and therefore, you know, causing you concerns? And I think it, it's always, you've, although it's always with hindsight, but it's the stock market and that's the only way you can truly analyse your performance. Um, you've got to be mindful of not only the records that you're keeping, but what these actually tell you about your trading. You know, for instance, if you're trying to trade a commodity over and over and over again and it's not working, then there's something wrong there. The analysis, the systems that you're using. Um, and this, again, it's, it's always, you know, goes back to just keeping that record, understanding what you're doing. If it's working, don't change it. If it's not criticize yourself don't be afraid to do that either some of the uh, the most frustrating times that i'll have is when i'm looking back um and and analyzing what's maybe done or what i've looked at and how it hasn't worked and i'm quite happy to openly criticize myself because from that you can understand more and you can grow i wanted to ask you about position sizing because that's something that sometimes gets neglected in some of the basic you know, trading 101 guides and indeed even sort of more experienced traders probably spend less time thinking about position sizing than they should be because this is actually quite I, I personally think quite an essential piece of the overall puzzle can you give us an overview of position sizing and what the best practice is there yeah absolutely i mean correct position sizing in my mind is one of the most critical factors and it comes down to really trading a size that's appropriate for the account. And this then translates into how you feel. You know, if your trading positions that are simply too big, you're going to feel the pressure if it goes in the wrong direction. It also adds to the, the fact that this could mean that you make a decision that is rash, not based upon what's going on with the share or the market you're in, but because the size of the position is, is simply too big. You know, really, you want to be sort of trading in a fashion that means that you can go around your daily business without feeling the need to keep checking in every five minutes. I mean, it's human nature as well to feel that on certain high conviction trades, you want to do more. Um, however, this can have a real negative effect on the longer term, especially if that trade doesn't go to plan. So what I can see, you know, does trip people up is incorrect or infrequent trade sizes. Because also infrequency on your, your trade sizes can have a negative effect because you may well find yourself losing on bigger trades and winning on smaller ones. And this just means you've got to run twice as fast to stay still. So there's a bit of a rule, a bit of guidance. You know, with leverage trading especially, you really don't want any singular exposure to a stock accounting for more than 20% margin on the account. Um, you can then account for this further if you use the stop loss and capped your loss at 5%. Now there's... there's old saying that I was always party to from the early days is that winners add to winners and losers add to losers. And what I mean by that is if you have got a great trade and it looks good and you've already done one position at the appropriate size, you can always lock in a stop loss to secure some profit and then buy some more. So effectively, you can increase your position size to one stock without increasing your risk. And the, the, the benefit for that is also the fact that you've got that sort of confirmation from the market that the trade's actually going the right way. 
because your first position you've locked in some profit and um, allowing it to run but i think that the the easiest version to this rule is if you are thinking about your positions in your day-to-day -day life or you worry about it last thing at night or first thing in the morning your position is too big it's as simple as that and i think it's something that you know a lot of people need to just get 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 in order because if you get that in order it takes a lot of the other pressure off and therefore you can have a much more successful trading journey that is a very good point actually if you're worried if you're worried that about a position then 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 it's definitely too big and it's time to at least trim it which which i guess brings me on to the next uh, issue which is running profits and and cutting losses which is Again, quite an important piece of overall risk management that uh, a lot of people will neglect. Can you give us a bit more colour around that? What 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 that looks like in practice, and and how, why it's good practice? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is one of those things that is the easiest thing to say, and possibly one of the hardest things to do. You know, it, it, it's a case of run your profits, make the most of it, and cut your losses early. And, you know, it, it goes down to a little bit similar to, you know, we all know uh, that you should eat less and exercise more if you'd like to lose weight. Spectacularly easy for us all to say, but very hard to put into practice. So all I can really say is at some point you will break this rule. Be self-aware when you break this rule and be wary of your almost your mental accounting on why you've done it. You know, you'll be saying to yourself, this time it's different because... And you'll attempt to give yourself logic um, or a logical argument in your head that, that excuses the breaking of this very simple rule. So, you know, a technique to help counter this is to decide that when you place a position, when you will be wrong. And it's accepting that you will be wrong. You know, if it gets to this price, maybe you're looking at it as a, a trade that's coming up from support. And if that support level is then breached, it's accepting in yourself that you've got this one wrong and you need to walk away. Sometimes this can also come around if there is a, uh, a fundamental change in the news. Um, so the best thing again, and it comes back to using or something we're going to discuss using a stop loss, point out to your level that you feel the trade is no longer the trade from the start. Lock a stop loss there so if it goes wrong. And then when it comes to the upside and they're running into a decent profit, again, you know, there's so much emphasis put on a stop loss order that, that triggers losses. But they're actually a very strong tool for actually securing profit as well. So really what you want to try to do is as the trade goes in the right direction, just keep pushing the stop along to keep locking in and allowing it to run. Which which does bring us very neatly on to stop losses. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, stop losses myself and I've used trailing stop losses consistently, particularly in, in um, certainly in Forex trades where markets can be... I feel more unpredictable. Can you give us some some um, idea of what what effective use of stop losses looks like, and 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 also you know there is ineffective or, or expensive use of, of stop losses as well. Yeah, I mean for me they're a critical tool with trading. I mean with the placing of any position there'll be a target expectation to the upside, and it's human nature in my opinion to focus more on this than the downside. Um, however. There's also a level, as mentioned, that will mean the trade is no longer the trade you initially thought it was. And this is really where the use of a stop loss order becomes critical to your success. So at the outset of any trade, uh, one of the first things to do is really consider what you see as reward and then what you are looking to risk. This is really the, the, the key structure to any trade because obviously if you're risking more than you think you're going to make, 
it's not even a trade in the first place. You should be walking well away. Uh, but the, at the outset of any trade is look for that stop loss level, perhaps on a technical basis below a line of support um, or indeed below one of the longer term moving averages and then using that and sticking to it. And, and you know, I, I always know, you know human nature, no one likes taking losses or triggering stop loss orders. As human beings, we look to avoid pain at all costs, but the reality is they are a safety net. And the reason for this is it means that uh, if the share price has dropped, you can come away from it, you can reevaluate your position, um, you can perhaps look for a lower entry, um, or indeed just walk away entirely. And that for me is a crucial part of uh, moving yourself forward. As I mentioned before, there's always a lot of uh, view on the stop loss being um, a negative in the fact that it's actually, uh, in fact, I had someone say to me once, it's not a stop loss order, it's a start loss order because that's where your loss has stopped. But it, it's, it's clearly a case of it's not gone to plan, accepting it's not gone to plan and then moving on. And as I said, you know, they are also a fundamental tool in enabling you to get the most out of a winning trade. If your position's in profit, use a stop loss to lock in some profit, allow the trade to continue. So I see these used very uh, successfully because when it comes down to it, timing and exit can be very tricky, but using a stop loss to lock in your profit as long as you go gives you the comfort of knowing you're going in the right direction. I always feel they're a bit like a parachute, really, in the fact that it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Uh, very wise words. I've Over the years, I've probably interviewed, I would say, probably over 500 um, fund managers about our next topic, which is news awareness. And, and I've spoken to asset managers who have ideas that are opposite extremes, fund managers who are almost entirely news-driven in their strategy, and at the other end others who prefer to sit on a rocky atoll somewhere and, and not actually look at the news flow at all because they're completely focused on what the what the actual um, market is doing but not what's influencing it so what's your view on news awareness for the trader i mean how much how much attention should they be um paying to it yeah well i think the active trader has got to be aware of the news flow um, especially news that moves market, even if it's short term. I think you, you, you know, especially if it's a trading announcement or um, if it's been upgraded or downgraded, um, these certainly do have an impact on the shorter term. And it, it, it will then be really for me the, the, the view on news is based upon your time frame for, for your trades. If you're sort of mid to long term, you may well not see it as quite as rigid as the short term trader. But the, uh, the successful trader will always just look behind that simple headline and realise um, that once the news is in the public, it's, it's almost immediately priced in. And there is certain strategies that I see to surf the news, for instance. So you might see a headline that uh, says, for instance, um, buy Tesla when Goldman Sachs has uh, upgraded the stocks. Um, and the active trader could well move on this, uh, but the real buying you know, a lot of the time it's already taken place before these announcements are made. So it does create a second wave of what we would call uh, headline-based trading, where you can be uh, uh, seeing profitable jumps um, on that short-term news. But you've got to be aware that uh, um, after the, the news has been digested, it no longer has the, um, it has the impetus to the market that it did on the first uh, release. So you've always got to be critically aware of the news. 
especially the news flows surrounding your positions. And equally, this again, it's, it, it goes back to re-evaluating what you're doing. If you're in a position and there's some negative news, um, you have to re-evaluate whether that trade is still the trade that you initially out, set out for. You know, this could be anything from bid rumours. You know, you might be in a stock because you feel they're going to get bid for, and then you see a bit of news that this isn't going to happen anymore. Um, so therefore, that position is not the one that it was when you set out, and you must use this news flow to your advantage the best you can, really. I want to ask you this, and, and you, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but uh, talking about this, what's your what's your view on, on the meme stocks that we saw um, earlier this year and, and the tendency of many people to chase those prices, basically? It's a tricky one to comment without feeling that I might offend um, certain listeners. So I certainly don't want to do that. For me personally, they have no place in uh, a professional trader's uh, life. They're interesting and they're, you know, and the excitement's there. But I think a lot of these meme stocks, a lot of the hype, um, they seem to be fueled by chatter online. They seem to go in that favor and out of favor very quickly. You know, fortunately for us, our sort of advisors here at Atlantic have very strong personal relationships with our clients. So when it all started, we were getting a lot of calls. You know, is it something we should participate in, isn't it? Our view was very clear. It's not a long-term sustainable strategy. You know, you could be making a, a, a great profit today and being wiped out tomorrow. Unfortunately, um, a lot of it circulated through social media as well. And what I did uh, notice is... Everyone was happy to tell you about the winners in hindsight, but there was very few people holding their hands up and saying, well, I got AMC at 70 and it's now down to 30. Um, so it, it was it was a very interesting, yeah, very interesting sort of phase. But I don't, I don't know anyone that, that I look after of, of any serious wealth or indeed, to be fair, of anywhere along the spectrum that saw it as a viable uh, investment strategy. Another common mistake is um, when you when you when you open your your trading account for the first time, you'll be confronted with all these different markets, and it opens a whole new world of opportunity um, beyond equities trading. Um, it can seem quite fascinating to see that there are you know commodities markets, forex markets. You can trade volatility, you can trade interest rates. I mean, there are some very big hedge funds that are active across all these markets. But one of the, well, actually, it is a, a common question um, when people start getting involved in trading is how many markets should they trade? Should they just be focusing on trading the FTSE or, or how many markets can they really realistically keep track of? And can, can you end up trading too many? I think you can. I think when it comes to the markets, especially in this day and age, there is a huge amount of instruments, not only the, the, you know, the FX, equities, commodities, but obviously now there's more exotics with cryptocurrencies, things like that. And I think a lot of these go through almost fads, if you like. There was a while back where lumber was the hot stock, uh, uh, sorry, the hot commodity, and everyone was calling up saying, have you seen this run on lumber? And to be fair, it did have a huge run. But I think as a, as a trader, as a professional trader, I think if you try to throw your net out that wide that you're looking at everything, you can actually end up tripping yourself up because you're not only looking at different instruments, different commodities, 
Um, you're then trying to analyze the news flow, um, understanding supply and demand. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, we all can get sort of distracted, if you like, from your primary objective for trading. And what everybody's in trading for the same reason. They want the accounts to grow. So whilst you could hear an exciting story about something that you've never heard of that's happening somewhere else on the planet, um, it's always important to keep your discipline. So I always feel it's better to be focused on one area or one market. And I think um, I've even seen experience of this drill down even further. Some people that I speak to are only what they might say sector specialists. For instance, they might focus on the miners or the banks. Um, for me, I like to focus on the FTSE, mainly because if I focus on the FTSE 100, there's 100 stocks there that I've been watching for the best part of 20 years. Some come and some go over time, but I can trust the pricing as well. I can trust the liquidity on these shares. I know they open at 8 a.m. in the morning and they close at 4.30 at night. So I can go home at 5 o'clock, leave the office comfortably knowing that there's going to be no drama that I come into in the morning. And that, again, it goes back to almost the same sort of pressure that you might feel if you're trading bigger size positions. It's critical, in my opinion, if you're going to go the distance in trading, to be able to switch it off. And if you can't switch it off, then you can't get the right amount of sleep and you, you, you end up spinning too many plates. So I tend to stick to the FTSE 100. I can trust the pricing. I can trust liquidity. I know when the market opens and I know when it closes. And okay, so the shares might move, not move as dramatically as you know some of the small caps or some of the commodities. But I'll use a, a, the CFD to create the profit rather than seeking out high high impact movers. So I suppose it just comes down to you could be the jack of all trades, um, but the other side of that one is you end up being the master of none. And it's hard enough if you're trading to keep focused on a small area, but it's the best way because you don't get distracted by background noise. And as a corollary to that, do you sometimes find that traders have a tendency to leave trades on um, when they shouldn't, when they should really like, like they're going to go traveling and they think, oh, you know, I haven't, I think I can make some more money on this one. I'm not going to close it and go to cash. But then they're off in, I don't know backpacking around patagonia or something like that and they've they've left their they've left their trades open basically i mean okay they could have stop losses to protect them there but what's your view on on if you're going to be away from your desk for um a few days is it possible to keep track of things on the mobile or um yeah i mean trading technology in this day and age has come on incredibly so but i think if if you're in that sort of position you know, this is where a service like ourselves actually comes into play. You want to have the ability to live your life and do what you're doing, but still have someone that you can quickly call. We have clients all over the, the planet that, that are traveling here, there and everywhere. And a call will come in in the morning. How am I looking on this? I can't get to the laptop. Um, or indeed, if there's critical news flow um, that you need to be aware of. I myself, I would, if I knew I was going to be away from the markets, um, and have no visibility, I would certainly make sure that any positions that are open have um, the appropriate stop loss in order. Um, and equally, if um, I had a set target price for the exit, I would also make sure there's a, uh, there's a limit to take the profit as well. And then at least I can have the comfort of knowing the best case scenario and the worst case. I think if you're in that situation and you've left your positions totally open, 
then you run the risk of a surprise. It could be the best one you've ever had and it, it could well be the worst. Either way, when it comes to the stock market, surprises, they don't form part of a, a good investment strategy. And so finally, I wanted to also ask you about risk and sizing. When, when someone's going into a trade, a lot of people um, just assume, you know, I, I mean, a good example would be someone, they've, they've got their trading capital, they chop it up into 10 pieces and then they just go, okay, that's the size of the the different trades I'm going to be putting on. But it's, there's actually a little bit more involved than that, isn't it? Um, what's 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 your view on the best practice there? Getting the exact right entry to a trade is near on impossible. And it can become an obsession for some and it can end up you know, causing you more harm than good or missing good trades. So um, when it comes down to it, for me, if you've done your research and you like a, a stock or a trade, then there's a general price range that you need to identify for entry. You know, and I'd always say this comes down to, especially in trading, it's always better to be approximately right than exactly wrong. Um, so one technique that's always good as well for those who are new to online trading um, is maybe splitting up the trade entry points. So let's say, for example, you've followed the rules and you've decided that a position size of, say, 10,000 suits your portfolio then rather than try to do the whole 10,000 at one price, um, instead you look to build to the position over time. You might do 5,000 pounds twice or two and a half thousand four times. And this for me, it's great for, for newer traders because it has an extremely positive psychological benefit. Um, if the price goes lower, then you're quite happy because you can build up your required amount at the lower average price. If the price suddenly has some news and falls, right out of uh, out of the sky then you, you're risking on a small tranche to begin with if it starts to lift um, well you're still happy as you're in you've got some it's going up in value so there's almost a psychological win-win here if it doesn't go immediately to plan you can pick up the extra tranche um, if it does well you're already in um, and this works both for me. I've seen it work great for new traders, but also it's a practice that the experienced, more professional traders really use a lot. It, it, it's, it's accepting that you're not calling the exact right price, but you want to build a position up around these levels. Now, there is an extreme word of warning on this, and, and I do want to make it clear. There's a big difference between this and simply just averaging your price. You know, I would say never average prices like this if it wasn't the explicit intention from the outset. Because what can happen there is you might have established that £10,000 is, is your suitable trade size and you actually buy another 10000 at a lower level. And so you are attempting to double down on what is essentially a losing position. And this can lead to huge losses. So I would say building into your positions is the right way but this strategy should only be employed when you've followed the rules, you've calculated your correct position size, and then you've split that correct position size into various tranches from the outset. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. that that's been excellent, John. And I think that that will provide uh, traders with some, some excellent advice, especially if you're, you're an early stage trader and still feeling your way in the market. Um, can you give us quickly just a little bit more um, on where people can find Atlantic Capital Markets if they're interested in, in um, having a further discussion with you? Yes, certainly. I mean, we're online, um, atlanticmarkets.co.uk. On Twitter, Atlantic underscore CM. We're on Facebook and Instagram. So we have a great online presence. We're a very friendly 
group of chaps like I said all the advisors are chartered we've all been in the markets for at least 15 years you know we're not here to tell you but we're here to guide you and help you and give you the advice um, on how to trade so we're, we're, we're all over online um, you know if any anyone listening fancies a little bit of a chat about trading and I think you know also as well um, not just about trading you know there, 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 there might be something in your long-term portfolio um, that, that could be giving you a bit of a headache we've got the badges we've been through the good times we've been through the bad times we know what works we know what doesn't so we're always happy to have a chat fantastic well thank you thank you very much for coming on the podcast this morning and then thanks for giving us some of your insights that's been excellent john no problem sir it's been an absolute pleasure I look forward to speaking to you again You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.